Hey everyone, welcome to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey Roast. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, welcome. What you need to know is that this podcast is meant for physical therapists and physical therapist students who are looking to grow their fundamentals in bite-sized segments of time. Hence the name PT Snacks. So today what we're going to do is cover a cause of medial knee pain, which is pes anserin bursitis. I don't really talk about bursitis a lot, um, but in this particular diagnosis, or sometimes it's mentioned as syndrome, today specifically we're talking about the bursa itself. It can be often a sequelae of other types of pain, not necessarily always the cause. And in my opinion, the more aware we are of structural pain in that area, the more we develop an understanding and how to rule them out and also make sure that we're not missing something more serious that's going on. It helps develop peace of mind in that we are doing right by our patients by making sure we understand as much as with is within our power what is causing our patients some pain to come to see us in the first place so that we get them better as quickly as possible, as quickly as the body and the healing timelines allow. So first off, we'll cover what is it? How do you get it? What does it sound like if your patient's walking in with potential symptoms that are from this, as well as some other differentials to rule out and what we do about it? So first of all, the pes anserin is basically a region where the tendons of the semitendinosus, gracilis, and sartorius meet together and insert at the medial knee. More specifically, the tendons insert roughly five centimeters distal to the medial knee joint line, and they form what's called a goosefoot or pes anserinus in Latin which is where the name comes from. So this anatomical insertion is very important for us to later be confident in our differential diagnosis, but the actions of these muscles are, they are primarily knee flexors and also play a secondary role in tibial internal rotation. Hence, they can help protect against rotation and valgus stress. The sartorius and gracilis are also adductors of the leg so this is all important to keep in mind because if you're trying to evaluate the ability of these tendons and muscles to function, if they're having issues with the main roles of these muscles, it might be good to look at the full chain of the muscle, the tendon, and when, where they insert, right? Now, the pes anserine bursa is basically between the proximal medial tibia and the insertion point of these three tendons. So it separates the pes anserinus from the upper medial tibia um, and basically just helps to reduce friction of where these muscles insert. So people who typically get this, if we're looking at more of a athletic population, we see this more so in long distance running. You can also see it in basketball and racket sports. Um, things that basically involve a lot of repetitive knee flexion, and or adduction. It's also found to be more common in research with females who either have knee osteoarthritis, especially like in the 50 to 80 year old range, and also in overweight middle-aged females. And the thought behind that is it's maybe the wider pelvis angle, maybe a wider Q angle, maybe more knee valgus that is causing um, more strain on that area. Keep in mind that these are correlations, not necessarily causations, 
but that can be something that will be helpful if you have a patient walking in and they kind of fit this demographic. A lot of times they surmise that this is localized inflammation is maybe causing irritation to the surrounding tendons. So this particular diagnosis may not always be the primary cause, but can be something that is happening in response to inflammation from something else, whether it's osteoarthritis or um, fill in the blank. Now, besides repetitive flexion and adduction, it can also be from a direct hit to the bursa. So obviously these are things that you would want to ask about in your patient. You know, if they're in front of you, you can kind of estimate by their demographics if they fit the most common mold and also some things that might sound like this bursa. Now this patient is going to complain of pain at the medial knee and proximal medial tibial region. They could even complain about muscle weakness, maybe some decreased range of motion of the knee, tenderness over the pes answering tendons and the medial knee and the upper medial tibia, and they may or may not have swelling. This is obviously an older criteria because it's from 1985, but Larson and Baum put together criteria of people who typically have this diagnosis. They have pain with ascending or descending stairs, morning pain and stiffness that lasts more than an hour, difficulty in rising from a seated position or getting out of a car, and local sensitivity and edema at the bursa. Now, if you're listening to these symptoms, you'll probably notice that these actions and like morning pain, morning stiffness, all of that can correlate to several different diagnoses. So you want to use this information to help piece things together, but then it comes to how do we test it? So palpation is big. If they are painful where the insertion point is of those tendons, it's helpful in knowing that maybe they're tender there. You'll want to palpate both sides. Um, if they're just having one-sided pain, just to make sure like it's not really the most comfortable to push on that in the first place. So you're looking for a different side to side. Um, and then also keep in mind that the tendons that are over this bursa, they're probably going to be irritated if the bursa is irritated. So you're essentially adding a contractile force to those muscles with resisted internal rotation and and or flexion of the knee to see, does that bother and reproduce the same pain that they're complaining about? Now, here's some important things because we don't want to just go right to, oh, medial knee pain. That's probably the PES answer in, answer in bursitis, which is probably not even what people mostly think about at first. Some other differentials that are important to consider would be a stress fracture of the tibia on the proximedial side um, and really teasing into their history and their nutrition, their training program. This is all very important to get that full picture of that patient. Um, patellofemoral syndrome is very commonly um, diagnosed and said for this. There's obviously, you can always have infectious pathologies like septic bursitis or osteomyelitis, gout, um, things of that nature that can live there, extra arc articular cystic lesions like a synovial cyst, ganglionic cyst, paramenisqual cyst, pigmented bilonodular synovitis, and synovial sarcoma, as well as there's a lot of other bursas in the knee. But some important things, important ones that I would also consider would be like the medial meniscus is right there. Now, in your exam, the PES answer in bursa is more inferomedial 
than the joint line. So that's another differential as well as just diving into their history. If it sounds more like something mechanical that is associated with meniscus, clicking or popping, things like that, maybe there was a a trauma with it that can help you dive into it. Um, Teasing out, do they have maybe an L4, L3, L4 radiculopathy? In this case, they probably wouldn't be abnormally tender to palpation at the bursa. Um, if they're symptomatic in that area. And obviously those symptoms should sound a little bit different than a pezancer in bursa. The MCL is also right in that area, the medial collateral ligament. So assessing, is there a history of trauma or are you able to reproduce their symptoms with any stress maneuvers to that tissue? Medial plica syndrome is also in there as well as even a semi-membranosis tendonitis can happen with a running injury. So this is why anatomy and physiology is so important to be able to tease out where is the pain, what is in there, and how can I tease out versus one is aggravated, one tissue is aggravated versus another. If it's a passive tissue, it's a, a contractile tissue, et cetera. Now, it is challenging to differentiate between like a pes answer and bursitis and tendonitis of those tendons or tendinosis, depending on the chronicity. Um, but the management is often the same. So typically in physical therapy, you're trying to work to calm the joint down. Because if there's local inflammation in the knee, it's going to re-exasperate the issue. So whether that's taking away from as as they're able to activities that are continually adding stress, like if they're currently running or if they're on a stair climbing competition or something like that. Um, It's nice if we can replace that with something else that um, keeps the patient moving, but is not aggravating things. But sometimes we just have to get the patient on board with our plan um, so that we can get them back to those pain-free sooner rather than later. Other treatments that are often cited would be to stretch the tendons that insert into there. Because stretching, while it can get a bad rap sometimes, it does play a role. And what that does is just adds a slight stress, a slight load to those muscles and those tendons um, and helps to give some input to them. So it's almost like an isometric and yet not. So um, it needs to be within what the patient is able to tolerate, but stretching the hamstring, the adductors, transitioning to isometrics. So maybe working on isometric exercises like a sideline adduction exercise, adduction exercise where they're holding it or squeezing into a ball with their leg straighter, et cetera. Things that you're not already putting that muscle and tendon at like a extreme stretch and then activating it trying to find something that's a little bit more mid-range, and then transitioning that patient to more reps, more closed chain, things that replicate more of what they're actually trying to get back to doing, whether it's just walking down the street, getting ready for a hike, getting back to sports, running, et cetera. You just want to slowly add good stress to that region so that we're able to slowly build the patient back up to where they want to be. So, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out at ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already and you're interested in learning more about differential diagnosis, not just from the knee, but really from any joint, 
you should check out Knight Clinical Institute. This is the company that I've been working on. It's a um, continuing education company. And we're in the process of adding more online content. But we do have some courses developed on basically how to maximize your subjective and your objective exam in a evaluation so that you can really dial in on what is going on so that you can more efficiently treat it instead of giving everyone the quote unquote knee exercises or the whatever joint it is that you're treating. So definitely check it out. I will add the link below. We also have an Instagram too as well, if that's more of where you like to catch up on news and things like that. Um, But also if you guys have special requests for um, diagnoses or body regions to cover, just let me know. Um, You can also uh, reach out to me on Instagram as well at dr.casey.hankins. So that's it for today, guys. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.